This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Anison Dillon's Preacher. My name is Nick, and I have read all of Anison Dillon's Preacher. My name is Lance, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 12 of the AMC series titled On Your Knees. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 2, Episode 12. So pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more pod episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, letter a number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. Some quick housekeeping notes before we go through the listener feedback. Next week is the finale of Preacher. Um, Who we? But I sadly had some last minute uh, work uh, travel scheduled, so I will not be able to record anything on our normal recording day. So our show will probably be out later. Um, my estimation is hopefully Thursday, but we will have to discuss when we can all get together. Okay. So. And then after this that, a, this is a news flash to us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I'm going to be in Japan for two weeks. So we will likely do a season two wrap up episode, but it will probably come in October at this point. So um, apologies for some of the tardiness, but I also kind of like the fact that we'll get to let it sit and simmer and mm-hmm. ruminate. A little bit, and then yeah, we can and maybe come back we and maybe we can it. have some conversations with people over email and Twitter and stuff yeah. to kind of help shape our if, episode. If you have questions or you want to write in or bring up your points or your thoughts or feelings, we'll we'll have some time there for everybody to kind of collect their thoughts, even if you're a couple episodes behind. So please uh, send in your thoughts on season two uh, anytime after the the finale and uh, before October. So. Uh, but on to listener feedback, we had a few things from Mike real quick. Mike had a question. He said, does Mark Harlick have some significance to you guys or is it a big joke? Uh, why not both? Well, yeah, no, I remember Nick and I think I re-listened to the, the episode where Mark Harlick shows up in season one, (laughs) like towards the beginning of this season. And I like, I had built up in my mind, Nick's reaction to Mark Harlick being on the show. Like I thought he was super excited about it, and then I went back and listened to it, and and you were just kind of like, oh no, I saw that it was Mark Harlick, and then I thought that was great, and that was it. Yeah. So then, like, my fake remembrance of your enthusiasm. I think we talked about it after. Yeah, the show. yeah. Like we we probably had a few conversations about it, or there might have even been a later conversation in that episode that I didn't get to. But so I don't know. We like Mark Harlick. And but it's just funny that Mark Harlick is playing himself, playing God. Well, Mark Harlick has significance to me because he's in an episode of Seinfeld. Yes, and he plays a tennis instructor, Milos. And my brother and I are bilingual, and we speak in Seinfeld as well as <laughs> American English. Yes, and we we have a ridiculous working knowledge of Seinfeld. So 
we're very aware of who Mark Harlick is, and he pops up in little th- like he's in Election, mm-hmm. and uh, he's in Heroes. I think I mentioned it in that episode. That yeah. When that aired, my brother and I both started laughing because we were like, "It's Milos." Yeah. Like we just know who all these little bit actors in Seinfeld are. So when when I saw him, he was going to be in this. I was like, "Oh god, that's funny." And yeah. He popped up because he's just one of those. It. He's a good character actor to choose without being somebody overwhelming like he's not like it's not steve buscemi or yeah. somebody like that but it's it's not an unknown either i mean he is an unknown but he's like been in things he's one of those guys who you don't know his name but you know his face you've seen him around yeah, yeah exactly much like steven tobolowski another seinfeld see yeah somebody like that would have been hilarious casting as god but at the same time he has like a cult he's, yeah kind of following mark harlick is flying so under the radar and, and and yet has a little bit of an imdb resume so it's just funny he's a guy who's been around for a while but anyway and and people would be like oh once the anybody who's like a fan of seinfeld if they didn't already know they would go oh my god that is totally him and they yep. would remember the episode and how hilarious he is in that and uh yeah that's the significance to me but lance did you have any feelings on mark harlick being in the show and how much he's become just like a running joke <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, other than, you know, what I can confirm, I've talked to your brother about Mark Harlick and he, he, <laughs> yeah. it's just all, it just all comes out. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, he's in this episode and he's had this joke and then, he was, uh-huh. and then he, you know, he will name the season, the episode, which yeah. disc of the DVD set it's on. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. I know you're not. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. It's, uh, some might call it a talent. Others might find another word for it, yep. but um, it's remarkable either way. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's I also think it's just funny that you know like especially in season two when like it dawned on Jesse he was like like when he said something to Hairstar about he's like he's like you knew Mark Harlick <laughs> <laughs> Mark Harlick's Mark audition Harlick, tape Mar- yeah Mark Harlick an actor in real life like it's always weird when shows cross that boundary right the idea that like sometimes you have characters calling on pop culture that they are also actors in. And like, I don't know that that specifically happened here, but it has happened in other shows, but kind of being that meta textual about things, but not really caring about it and not really making like a big joke about it, I think is really funny to me. Yeah. So I, I just, I enjoy the fact that that extra layer of the fact that he's playing himself yes like they could easily have just made him being a character they could make him play an actor yeah Yeah, but instead they were just like screw it (laughs) he's mark harlick part of me wonders like if they knew this was going to be a thing in season one like or did it come up in the in the writer's room of season two like hey why don't we why don't use mark harlick's audition tape as a thing That'd be amazing if that was his audition tape in the show (laughs) minus the gunshot like (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh Mike also had another thing here. Uh he said he said he uh, we raised I raised the question of does what does the word do to people who don't speak English or we kind of brought that idea up. Mike said in the book the word doesn't work on people who don't speak English. So Yeah. Uh good to know. That's a great the the instance he's talking about if we're talking about the same instance which I'm pretty sure we are is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Mark, uh, Mike, for writing in. Mark, thank Mark, you, Mark. Also. Mark Harlick, yes, thank you for being a person. He hasn't responded to my tweet. Oh yeah, I don't think he checks Twitter that often. I hope just like six months from now he faves it. He just let, yeah, <laughs> just lets it go. 
Uh, Bruce wrote in, he had a few points. He said, I really enjoyed how the smelting scene with the Saints guns played out. Tulip not even being able to budge the trigger was a great move to me since uh, the unmade scripts I read, no comic spoilers here, by the way, both involve characters picking up the Saints guns and using them, something that didn't feel quite right. Right. The show's approach solidifies the Saints' supernatural abilities and that there are things only he can do. I thought that was a cool point. Mm-hmm. Especially, Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. Yeah, very good mythology yeah. kind of stuff going on. Uh, and then he says, as far as the hell subplot goes, while I'm enjoying it more than you guys seem to be, I agree that it's the least interesting part so far. Uh, it feels like it could have been done all at once as a single breather episode in the middle of the season uh, with the final resolution left for the finale. Also, the test to determine who doesn't belong reminds me of the Voight Kampf test from Blade Runner. That's Only good. instead of verbally described scenarios, it's a series of video clips. They both seem to be designed to pick up on emotional responses at any rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a great, great comparison to draw. Yeah. And then uh, contrary to, uh, kind of contrary to Mike's point, but not really, he says, Jesse can control animals to some extent as there was a brief moment in season one <sighs> where he told the barking dog to shut up and it listened. So, good to know. Okay, I don't know. I we don't know if they're being consistent with the rules, but there's I don't, there's not really been anything to. Yeah. Those are just us ruminating. It wasn't off of anything happening in the show, other than his voice faltering at mm-hmm. the at the end there last week. So uh-huh. I really love that idea about the hell stuff being an episode un, unto itself. Like yeah, that, it, it the material spread out so far of the the season is probably a little longer than an episode. Yeah. But that I would really like that because it would almost play like an, an issue of the comic if you almost had. Sure. That's kind of the way Preacher is from time to time. You'll get an issue that feels it's not centered around the main three necessarily or like Jesse's entirely not there until like a very little bit or something. Yeah. And it's always kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a cool way to do it. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool to pepper it through the season, but I don't think they delivered on that. I don't think it was executed as well as it could have been like they didn't find beats that like really intrigued or titillated in those individual episodes that left me wanting more of that stuff the next time I saw it. Right. Which is why I I totally agree. I think it would have been cool if it was like, you know, sometimes you get those episodes of the show where they start off and you're like, this is not what I was expecting at all after last week. They did it with the walking dead. Even I remember hearing they did like a, somebody was supposed to die and then they went and spent an episode in the past and then they came back right, to it. So yeah, it's not yeah. like AMC's not mm. open to doing that kind of thing. But, sure. you know, things fell the way they fell. But mm-hmm. more on hell later in this episode, I think. Or right about now. Right yeah. At the start of our discussion. Uh, so season two, episode 12, On Your Knees in the teaser, we open up with Eugene facing the extrapolator with Hitler's instructions to resist Eugene resists kissing Tracy, Tracy's emotional hostage-taking, a childhood abuser in the form of the school mascot, and conceding to his father's request to kill himself. And after all that, Hitler is able to open the window in Tracy's bedroom, and they escape where the extrapolator projector shuts off to reveal an empty room. Um, I felt like, and this is getting into Act 1 a little bit, but I felt like these first two sections of this episode could have been a lot shorter than Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Like, it, it didn't... I felt like we retreaded a lot, which is funny because we talk about Westworld, which is a show that uses retreading in a very interesting way to have you looking for subtle differences and things like that. 
Yeah. And also earlier in the season in Preacher, they've used montages of repetitive motion to great effect. And I feel like they kind of didn't bother to do that here or they just didn't like it's almost like they needed to stretch to fill this episode which is funny because it was longer than the normal hour too i think oh yeah it is just barely three minutes yeah altogether so what did you guys think of of the of the extrapolator scene was it kind of what you expected well all right was this some kind of super extrapolator or what like this is in the hole right this is in the hole, yeah. So it's the only room that has the extrapolator in it. Is the like that's the only cell that has the extrapolator. And he's been down there before. He had been down there yeah. before. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's where I'm getting confused. Yeah. Because otherwise it's, it's you are room. otherwise you're just passively watching it and you Other otherwise you're experiencing the same thing and it never changes. It is right. just replaying it. But this is the one where it can react to your actual Right. Okay, that's input. right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. See, the fact that I forgot about that is a problem first of all. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I agree. It's too long and it doesn't go anywhere. It's there's a lot of treading water in the hell subplot in general, but a lot yeah. of this I I just didn't I didn't really see the point. I mean, Eugene, like, kind of, in the end, he, like, passed his, like, trial or whatever. Like, do you have to beat the extrapolator to, like, be able to leave? It was just... Yeah, the, the mythology unclear. behind it is not there. So. Yeah, and it, it, it didn't... Like, if he had been down there throughout the season and, like, trying to outthink it, maybe I would have bought it a little more, but I just don't understand. In the end, Eugene, Eugene just had to, like be himself and like be good again and that was the way to trick it which i guess i get like he proved he didn't deserve to be there and then he was able to leave but like well but it wasn't even necessarily being good it was like it was like uh because because he kills the mascot which is not i mean in a justice sense maybe if he was abused by this mascot then it wasn't like a is it like maybe not being good but just like overcoming it's resi- like Hitler says to resist. I think mm-hmm. he's resisting the temptations of the extrapolator. Is kind, of, but even though like that's not even really a temptation. Like, what's tempting about that mascot situation? Also, what's up with that mascot situation? Because yeah. that's another. That's, uh, that's, they dropped a bomb there. Pretty nasty bit. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It's not even really played for a laugh, but no. it's just. It's quickly like glossed over, and if you're like, wait, if Eugene was abused as a child by somebody in the mascot outfit, like. Maybe we should be talking about that yeah. or or just not inject that into the show at all. If yeah. You don't have some sort of point. Like it, 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 it was very non sequitur, like almost kind of like a because I was expecting like Jesse to walk out of there like yeah. he did previously. Like I think it was kind of like a shock of like, oh, hey, look, there's a big silly mascot in here. And then, oh, guess what? It's more sinister than you yeah. thought. But so yeah, like Eugene taking control because like he had no control over the Jesse situation. So is it? Yeah, that's then, a good way to put it. But does then that like absolve you from being in hell just because you're able to to fix a memory? Well, and Hitler said like the direct quote from Hitler is show the machine that you don't belong here and the secret door will open like that is what he says. So it's not like like could anybody be doing this if they're put in the extrapolator or is it just Eugene like? The message seems to be that it's just Eugene because he doesn't belong there and he had to prove he didn't belong there by 
doing the right thing, but maybe maybe even in, in the preacher verse, the right thing to do would be to blow that guy away. <laughs> that like, makes sense. <laughs> that yeah. I don't know. It's unclear. Logic dictates. And and at the end of the day, I just don't I'm not that worried about it. You know what I'm just Well, I like, think well, that's part of the problem is that like they're playing so kind of like I don't know if it's tight lipped or if it's loose or lazy, but they're not like building that rigid rigid structure of hell to give you the investment of the puzzle to figure out that Eugene is figuring out even like it's it's not really there. They didn't really mm-hmm. cohesively present that to us so far in the season. So it's just one of the only subplots where I, I'm just not that emotionally invested in it. And I don't know. I don't know why, because a character, an innocent character trapped in hell should be like really good. But they they managed to make hell like kind of boring, and they managed to make it seem like not the worst. You know what I mean? Like I think all I think all of our like deep yeah. dark fears of hell, mm-hmm. it's a lot scarier than like a machine full of zagnuts yeah. and like sympathetic Hitler. It's like a prison where they don't they torture you, but not like to the point where you you can't bear it. You know? Yeah, and and maybe these effects get compounded over time. But yeah. most people in there seem to be like kind of okay with what's going on or like even like, I don't know. It's just not what I imagined. Mm-hmm. And it, I think well, it's, I think it's okay to not like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike said in his email here, he says something just occurred to me watching your worst day over and over would stop being torture in the sense, but it would be dull. If you have kids, you know that you have to sit through land before time. One more friggin' time. I'm going <laughs> to lose it. Right. Uh, that would be the worst. And as punishments go, it seems pretty uncreative, although I get the sense that this is a stopgap measure, like things used to be quote-unquote better in hell, but hey, hell what it, hell isn't what it used to be, like heaven, you think. Like, yeah. So maybe, maybe there's something there of like, maybe hell used to be a lot worse, but then but the understaffed. bureaucracy has like beaten it down or something like that. I, I suppose. Don't know. But they haven't they haven't illustrated that successfully in the show. Yeah. If that's the case, best representation of hell, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. That's that's the one for me. I've Where it's like it. fill, full of like nine billion people, <laughs> and like Gandhi's down there, and <laughs> Satan is down there. It's funny. It's yeah. good. Sounds good. I can't think of my best representation of hell. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what? In Sandman, in the comic Sandman, mm-hmm. the way they depict hell is. Uh, horrifying mm. like i i love that book and i and i whenever he roamed down to hell i was like oh my god like i don't want to read this it was mm. it was illustrated so uh just thoroughly mm. there's so much detail hidden in there and it just was like anguish yeah. i'm really dark i did i did watch the next time on for this episode i don't know if you guys did or not and we don't typically do this but i thought it would be a fun thing to talk about they show Hitler and Eugene crawling out of like a manhole essentially in like a mm-hmm. grassy area. So where is the exit to hell? What is that joke? What do you guys think? Is it New Jersey? Because <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, yeah. kind of the... Well, remember when uh, in season one where um, he, he just literally dug up from the ground? Yeah. And he was all dirty and everything? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I kind of wish they would go back to that. Yeah. 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 But... but I didn't see the scenes from next episode. It's they, it's basically it's just a quick shot of Hitler and Eugene coming out of like a manhole, and it's like a foresty, grassy kind of area. And I was just kind of like, I know this is going to be a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this sure. is it's ripe funny. for a joke. Yeah. 
What if it's just Hell, Michigan? <laughs> That'd be yeah. pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'll be fun to see. But part, yeah, part of me is like it's like New Jersey or something like that. It'll probably be something pretty good. Yeah. But we shall there see. are probably many ways, many different exits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To yeah. Different places. Yeah. But the back door, <laughs> the yeah. back door to hell. Where is that located? Uh, all right. So act one, uh, we see what the saint went through at the bottom of the swamp. He rem- remembers his wife and daughter and his baptism at the urging of his pregnant wife. So he could join them in heaven for the rest of time. There's a nice sweet scene with them having a picnic and him kind of placating his daughter as well. But then in present day, the saint sees lights in the water as the grail lifts the Sokosha out of the swamp and they tow it away only to replace it with a decoy. So once again, we get more of the saint. We knew he was down in the swamp. I like the flashbacks. Born ultimatum flashback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's like it. That, that's the thing is that like I, I, I guess I appreciate the scene for getting a little bit more context of the saint. But I didn't really need to know what happened in the weeks leading up to where we were with the saint. Yeah. Hell looks dope in Constantine. Hell is pretty dope in Constantine. I mean, it's not dope. It's, it's interesting, <laughs> but it is creepy. It's very unsettling. But I like the idea that it's like an exact like mirror a, yeah. image of where you are. It's a decayed mirror image of that. It's pretty sweet. Area. Yeah, Sorry, no. I, just, I look at Rapping Alex. And, I look at Alex, and one one in five times I think of Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, any thoughts on the on the? Uh, I'm in total agreement. Still, I think the first like fifteen or so minutes of this episode, I was like, don't. Yeah, could have been chopping off and <laughs> fling yeah. it in the trash. Don't really need it. I, I will say the uh, the diving suits for the Grail guys is pretty sweet. Those are awesome. Like, they, they remind me of like GI Joe. They're yeah. like Cobra, <laughs> kind of GI Joe villains. Uh, I no, I agree. The the, the flashbacks I actually liked, and it yeah. was something that I didn't think I was gonna like. I was like, oh, I don't need to humanize the saint again. Like I I don't need that. Just make him a thing. But uh, it was it was neat. How did, so how do you guys feel about him? Like, I don't have a good gauge as to whether or not he's a particularly loquacious man in the comics. Like, does he does he do a lot of talking? Because it seems like, yeah, like we get a lot of scenes of him in the show walking up and just being like, preacher, and like that kind of thing. So he's he's very vocal in this episode. How did that strike you guys? I mean, he he, he does talk to Jesse. They have yeah. conversations, yeah. but they're they're very to the point. Like his little story he tells him later in this episode, I don't think I he, wasn't a fan. He wouldn't have done that. It, yeah. I got so distracted by him with his knife. I was like, I was like, I'm looking at the knife. I'm looking at him talking. Like these things don't match. Like, yeah, he yeah. just he's a lot. He's a lot like Jesse. Like in the comics, they had like I've, I've said it before. They they end up having that they have this kind of respect for each other almost. Like they kind of respect that each each of them is kind of a no nonsense like straightforward kind of guy who will look you in the eye and either shake your hand or punch you in the face, but he'll look in the eye while he does it. And that's kind of the way they both are. And I think that they kind of, you know, they have an unspoken kind of understanding because of that. And in the show, they're not, neither. they don't have that kind of yin and yang kind of bond that I I really dig in the comics. Because in the comics, both of them, they don't really like each other, but they Mm -hmm. like, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's just this like unspoken kind of vibe where yeah. they like they look at each other and, like I get you when they face each other yeah. face down on each other like well, obviously same killers facing down and right. and but like <laughs> like they just talk and and it's it's like they just hash it out and, yeah. and and it's 
Yeah. And like and and then there's the occasional saint which is like why don't I just kill you or something like yeah. that, you know? And then Jesse like convinces him not to. Yeah. You know? And and he doesn't sometimes he'll just talk to him, just reasons with him. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I kind of miss like the 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 motivation and development of the saint is so kind of convoluted right now that it makes me yearn for the the book version. I like him in the show, but he's just so it's so clear cut in the book and it's just like you're, he's not. He's almost not a character. He's a side character, and he doesn't have this. You get it. Like you, you get his family was killed, and life just did a number on him, and he's angry all the time about it. But he's also pissed at God, and he's pissed at the devil, and like you get it, and you're like, I just that's it. It's cut and dry. There it is. And in the show, it's just like, I don't, I don't understand how he works in the show. He's all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's getting to the point. I, I was okay with it for a while, but now it's kind of gotten to the point where it's taking up a lot of time and. It's just not super satisfying. I still, I mean, I, I still think uh, I like our slash my original idea of not seeing him for the rest of the season. Yeah, that would have been nice. But I did, I did want to bring up real quick. You were talking about the parallels between Jesse and the Saint mm-hmm. Bruce uh, in in a in a point in his email that I didn't read. He said, "Now that I can talk about the coffin, I wanted to bring up a connection that I noticed a while yeah. back." Yeah, that was very good. I wanted to talk about that, but Bruce nailed it. Sorry. J- Jesse ahead. putting the saint in the armored car and then dropping it in the swamp is a clear parallel to his experience with the coffin. And then he said, "I think it could be argued that Jesse did the worst thing he could imagine to him, possibly yeah. even worse than hell from Jesse's perspective." Uh-huh. So, uh, like that. I think that's a great point. And then we also get another thing later on because the, the story we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but it's kind of hard not to with this episode since mm-hmm. like everything happens in two situations essentially. But um, the saint tells the story about scalping and how the man that he, that told him about the sound that scalping make, it was the, it makes is the only sound that he can't like, he loved that sound or something right. like that. He, he was obsessed over it. Mm hmm. And that's not the saint, but we also get a point from Cassidy later on where he says to Jesse that he breaks people's bones just to hear the sound. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was an interesting parallel, too, of like, Mm. I don't know if it's like interesting that the saint kind of despises these people, but could probably also relate to them in some way. Like, I thought that was a cool parallel as well. So I think they're drawing parallels, but it doesn't sound like they're drawing the, the the ones that really matter. That's a great point. And they, I think Jesse and, and the Saint are deep down, deeper down for the Saint, obviously. But they, they were, they're good men. Who, yeah. They're men who want to be good, but they're willing to be bad if they have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they think they have to more often than maybe they really do like they're they're quick to violence yeah because they know it's like this will solve the problem and jesse's almost that way with the word as well he's like i'll just use the word it's fine it's i have it i may as well use it saints the same way with his guns you know yeah i'll just kill it i think Mm -hmm. i think we're they're like still playing around that relationship because like in this episode especially the saint is largely a pawn in this plan and it's not He's he's being used for his motivations, not like Yeah. And in the book he's he starts that way, but he kinda just he he kinda just goes rogue. Yeah. But he also doesn't need a lot of like motivation. They're just kinda like, Hey, do this and we'll hook you up and he's like, Okay and then he starts to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Like he just I don't I don't necessarily feel like he's fully like 
maybe by the end of this episode he is he's getting to the point where he's going rogue but we can we'll talk about that in a minute I'm okay sure. uh anything else about act one i uh i did have no hoover Hoover apologizing for traffic was <laughs> hysterical. Yeah. I was like, again, Hoover's just, everything he does is so funny. He puts his little glasses on. and yeah. he's, So what was he highlighting? What was he okay, going through? Okay, that's I kind, that's kind of something that I want to talk about. That is Act 2, though. So let me read through oh, okay. a little bit of Act 2 here. So uh, Hoover bargains with the saint, promising him the next best thing to heaven if he works with the grail. The saint flashes back to his journey to Ratwater and spends another week pounding on the doors of the Sakosha until he finally agrees and Jesse sits uh, contemplating things on the man dog couch. Uh, so, yeah, the number one, the highlighters that the Grail has are super cool. They are nice. I really want one. Nice. It was awesome. I was hoping it said like Grail Industries on it or something. You know how like yeah. offices will yeah. have their own branded like <laughs> they hand know, them stationary. Out at, like, conventions yeah. or I was something. hoping that's what it was. Like one of those two sided ones, or one side's pink and one is yellow. That would that'd be like a cool like comic-con handout that would be awesome that's totally the type of thing hoover would have in his pocket (laughs) but his little glasses and just that whole conversation was so funny but then i was like i'm good like i don't need any more and jesse on the bench i was like i don't it doesn't matter it doesn't need to be here like or if you're gonna include it make it matter somehow but it was literally just a shot of him sitting there and it wasn't even an interesting shot no or it didn't convey anything. I didn't see him like sitting there and then have a moment of. It like, was literally where we left him last episode. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like leftover footage, and I would at least show him like getting up so that I can feel like it's moving somewhere. Like yeah. okay, he's either getting back on the trail or he's going home. But he just just sat there, and it was just an excuse for the editor to not have too many saint scenes back to back. Like it would have felt like a weird jump cut. But I don't care. Find some find something better. Yeah, you're a better show than that. There was a lot of fade to black in this episode. I don't yeah. know if you guys noted I noticed that. The fade to black with the chair. This was this was the point where I, I had the note. I just said it's this is a really choppy first like third of this episode. Yeah, but I didn't. You know, Hoover. The first bit with Hoover was so good because it was classic Hoover. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then it was like then he like was in kind of a weird position of authority, and I did, like didn't really like it. I was like, I don't really like thinking that when he his second conversation with the saint when he's talking to him after the initial stuff and the highlighting and all that he like he's talking to him again mm-hmm. and he's like saying some other crap and i forgot what it was but i was like hoover in like a sort of a position of power did, i didn't really like it and he's he, kind of like talking to the saint about you know you should work with what he felt very like it it was weird to see him not like he was doing his job well right which exactly, is not what exactly. we've seen yeah, no, no, from him yeah he was very competent but i yeah exactly and he and he seemed comfortable with the yes. circumstances and i was like i don't like this because the, honestly truthfully although the first part of it was very good with hoover like t- apologizing and all that i didn't need it because at the end of the previous episode when it just cut to the warehouse and hoover sprinting away yeah. i was like that's all i need i, yeah. I understand immediately what went down totally yeah and it was hilarious like i it was so funny because it was almost like like wet hot american summer style joke where it was yeah. just like cut to hoover sprinting away and the doors opening and the same coming we out we knew who was in there i knew, we knew exa- what had happened mm-hmm. knew exactly what went down i even pieced together i was like okay it's another truck i was right like, yeah it's yep. not the same truck it's another truck yeah you know? like obviously there's one in the swamp one over there you know? Mm-hmm. And they spend the first ch- huge chunk of this episode explaining that to you. But like 
think of like Ocean's Eleven when they when they reveal how they how they did everything with the vault. They they do it in like ninety seconds, if that sixty mm-hmm. seconds. They quickly just cut, 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 yeah. cut, 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 and your brain is able to put it together because yep. we're not primates and we get it <laughs> yeah. and so i i was just like yeah i don't i don't know this feels like i've been watching defenders i'm only on i just finished episode six but i the the fact that the end is in sight at episode eight is so awesome because although the show is good if it was 13 i'd be like oh my god i'm only halfway there i'm not even quite halfway there and like this season so far, there's been some episodes I've groused about, but overall I've been like, this feels appropriate. And there's a big chunk of this episode that I was kind of like, this feels like treading water. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know what's going on. And that, yeah, like the, those Marvel shows on Netflix have, have had that issue of like, these need to be like, they, they, they're padding these seasons out. And I haven't necessarily felt that bad with this one, but because things have been, I haven't felt that bad with preacher this season because I think, I've been interested and we've been talking about it and we find reasons for things that are there. This is the first episode where it feels like they legitimately felt the need to pad the time out a bit. Which is weird because it seems like a ton of shit is about to go down in the last episode and I'm kind of sitting here thinking, how is there only one left? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's move, bring a little bit of that on (laughs) in here. Yeah. Uh, So what Hoover's highlighting... I wasn't really sure. Like it didn't it's it looks like a service manual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost kind of reminded me of the the uh the projectors in hell from I thought what the same I was thing. looking at. Yeah. So I don't like I'm not really certain what we were supposed to get out of that. I tried to like yeah. pause things and read them, but it's all like it's My it's diagrams. really good. It's like the diagrams are good and yeah. the words that are there make it seem like a super oblique service manual for some obscure piece of technology. But I thought like Part of me was like, well, is he trying to like figure out a way of how to get into the saint's compartment and like let him out? Or I was like, is it something to do with the truck or is it one of the projectors from hell? I didn't really know. I, I like the projector theory because I feel like maybe one reason we've been watching that technology throughout the season is so we understand how it works. Because I f- it seems like one of those might make its way into our character's story and someone's going to have a situation where they think something happens but it doesn't. Oh. Like, I f- it feels kind of like the Grail might be... Like, Hair Star is, is maybe using it on yes. Jesse or something yes. like that. Of like, a, mm. we want you. That's really That's good. That's kind of what I think. That's really good. Because the... The... Multi... Man, I'm just... <laughs> I'm at my most unloquacious today. <laughs> Featherstone and Hoover multitasking, I think, is a really good thing. And I yes. like that throughout the throughout the season, we've been unknowingly watching them do that. Like, they're working on other things at the same time. And and Star would be like, I'm everybody's busy but you two, and I need you. These are, these are your things for the week that you have to do. And so Hoover familiarizing himself with the operations of that makes sense. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I do really like seeing that Hoover's been doing something. Mm-hmm. But Hoover's the kind of guy, it's like... Uh, it's like the episode of Parks and Recreation where uh, early on when Rob Lowe is in charge, when Chris Trigger's in charge, and he tries to, he repositions where everyone is in the office and he shakes everything up to put his own like spin on it and he gives Ron the little circle desk and you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Have you yes. seen this at Lance? Yep. I have not. I, oh, okay. The only thing I know about Rob Lowe at Parks and Recreation, Andy Perkins. Is he he, he's the that. best. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, he like puts everyone in different positions and Ron tells him, at the end of the episode, he's like, 
he finally stands up to him and is like, you are screwing everything up. <laughs> and he explains why everyone is where they're supposed to be. And he's talking about Jerry Gergich. He's like, Jerry, you cannot put Jerry front and center. He goes, you shine a light on him. And he like panics, basically. He goes, you have to just stick him off to the side and give him something and he'll do it and he'll work really hard, but you can't shed any light on him. And that's kind of like the way Featherstone's the one that will go do that stuff. Hoover is better absorbing a manual and like building this projector. But if you put him in sort of in charge of any sort of decision making or like <laughs> social interaction, I feel like he's going to screw it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to watch Parks and Recreation. <laughs> man, I'm so man. You guys are making me look like chumps. I don't see anything. <laughs> see, you see every movie though. I, th- I yeah, you're way I I you're way more disciplined about movies. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, check my Letterbox account. Lance just Lance, I applaud Lance because he makes the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's like I'm going to the movies and like I we used to be that. Oh, we, we did used to. when we were young. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we would just do it, and yeah. now it's. I still love the movie theater so much. Like we went and saw Dark Tower and it stunk, but I'm really glad we went to the theater and did it because I just like going to the movies. But now, I mean, it's it's that like that siren song of Netflix, man. It's like, hey, just stay home. Yep. Yeah. Stay yep. in your couch. No, the theater viewing is, is my thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, any other thoughts on act two here? Mm. Nope. Nothing. No, it's just a lot of... I could just... Yeah. We just pass. Pass. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. S- we already spent too long <laughs> dignifying it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Act three. Tulip and Cassidy contemplate what they want to do when, with Jesse being gone. When Jesse returns home, Cassidy immediately begins patching things back up with Jesse while Tulip runs into the saint while taking out the trash. Jesse, Tulip, and Cassidy all attempt to fight the saint. However, they all get knocked out and disabled in some way until Jesse attempts to use the word on the saint. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. A la last episode with the rail secretaries uh and the saint knocks jesse out all right he so punched him in the throat he pu- he did yeah. punch him in the throat mm-hmm. but that was like that was probably actually you know what you're right it was after yeah like, that jesse, was after yeah. the first time he jesse tried. lies yeah he lies to them that it didn't work yeah okay like, there he, you go little he yeah. tells them that he got he's like oh sorry See, sorry yeah. i couldn't do it i got hit in the throat but yeah. like he it's like he didn't want to tell them, oh, it didn't work. So he's him. losing it. But yeah, and that's yeah. the thing is that it's not, it doesn't seem, we haven't had him reacting to that fact at all, yeah. I feel like. Or like, you know, saying, hey guys, I'm a little concerned because this is like, this thing is happening. He's not, he's not opening up to anybody about it. But even so, like I would get that. I, I don't feel like, like to me, this is a gigantic question. It's like, why is this not right. working all of a sudden? Yeah, you want to see him like walk down the street and like tell someone like, close your eyes or something, and just s- to see if it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and be like, like, it, it's almost like we need another montage of him testing it out mm-hmm. to be like, what, right. where is it failing? What is the problem? Why isn't it Let's working? Troubleshoot this. Yeah, thing exactly. Yeah. 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 Which is maybe that's my engineering and and, and no, I I think it's pretty reasonable. But I, it, it like it, I don't know. It feels really weird to me that we haven't had that yet, mm-hmm. especially with it happening. Uh, you know, in a much less the, stressful situation, <laughs> but also like at the penultimate episode of the season. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree. You need that like yeah. Spider-Man two montage of him trying to figure out what's going on. Yep, mm-hmm. for sure. So that to me was uh, was strange. Um, I have so many notes for this scene, but they're most of them aren't that important. They're just like little little things that I thought were good. Start with tulip, just the whole tulip thing where tulip. She's, she's tulip. Yeah, <laughs> she's 
standing up to the saint, but then still no match for him. I don't think she ever was a match for him. Yeah. Um, and to have that, like, how does she feel now that she got beaten by beaten down by him again? Well, and that was the thing is yeah. like, as soon as they were getting into the kitchen and I could see it coming to where he was going to grab her by the throat, I was like, oh my God, she's going to crumble again. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. Yeah. And well, she reacts like somebody facing their fear, though. Like she, that's true. She really like. I mean, she it's, could, a, it's a big display of ferocity from her, mm-hmm. and it's. I think it's coming from a place of like, this is not going to happen to me again. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a victim confronting their assailant, and because mm-hmm. the saint puts her down in the hallway and starts to walk towards Jesse, presumably, mm-hmm. or the the apartment at least. And she turns to fight him. Like, she, she she hits him, and she tries to take him on. And he, of course, knocks her out with no problem. But her... She did land a punch. Her yeah. unwillingness to back down, the fact that she wouldn't run away from yeah. that situation, I think that that is really, really, really good. Yeah. Absolutely. But... Tulip. <laughs> I love Tulip. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, lo- I love the way that she was in the hallway, and he just, like, emerged from yes. the doorway. That was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and and that was the thing. I was like, "Why is Tulip away from the action? Like, what is what is going?" And then I was like, "Oh, the saint, the saint's gonna show up like this because yeah. we get that little scene of Hoover and and uh, mm-hmm. Featherstone being like, oh, hey, he's on his way.'" Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was excited for that confrontation in the hallway, and it didn't go down like I thought it would. But I'm not sure what I thought would happen. She just she wasn't scared, but she wasn't like angry at first. It was just kind of this like she's kind of in shock. Like just the kind of this middle line, and then she just turned into this explosion. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, the so her knowing that he didn't have his guns, I think helped her out because that's that, true. That was part of her nightmares a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. In the stomach. Yeah, like her yeah. saying Rio. Yeah, <laughs> Rio. And Cassidy's fingers falling uh-huh. was in was in the dream. Yeah, credit yeah and she from kept the staring at his the floor finger yes. as he called it. <laughs> so that, I want to talk about that stuff because this show is at its best when all three characters get along with each other and are talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand. I get the dramatic purpose, but let's just, let's reach a conclusion already. Either break them apart definitively or bring them back together because we're doing this like rubber band thing back and forth and I'm just like exhausted. If this is a problem in season three, it's going to be a huge issue. And it's almost like a scene by scene basis. Like yeah. I just don't get why they're like alternately everybody's fine and then they're not. They're like really fractured and then they're like I, when we were talking about Arrow last week, it was it was so refreshing because I was like, you're right, man. Arrow just gets down. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? Here's our arc. It's three episodes and it's over or it's six episodes and it's over. And there's a lot of this like uh, it's just back and forth. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, and and I even think, within the same episode, like they're it's it's Ulip and Castor are both like, yeah, fuck Jesse, what a dickhead. And then they're just like, yay, he's back. And like at the end of the episode, everything's cool and they're all having dinner and everything's yeah. fine. And I was like, what? I don't understand. I think mind. part of that problem, like I think I think some of that is Cassidy, because I think like Cassidy. Uh, Jesse walks in and Cassie's basically just like, oh, we, we were wondering where you were. And then Tulip's like, you were wondering where you were. Like, Tulip, mm-hmm. Tulip, I think, is a little more steadfast in the I'm done with this situation, kind of. But Cassidy's the one that's kind of like, all right, I'm going to try and mend this fence some more. Like, he's got, like, seven pieces of plywood stuck together with duct tape and, and spackle. And he's trying to make it work, but it's not. And so that's a good seeing point. it starting to, like, like even in this episode, I felt like the moment in the ambulance 
getting ahead of us again, where Tulip says, everything worked out. It's okay. Like, I felt like that was the, the, the moment of we're going to move on from this. But then obviously later on, we get hair star telling them what happened and it, and it opens up another can of worms. But then also that brings me to the idea that like, I don't think any of them want to sit down and talk about it. Hmm, like sure. none of them want to figure it out. Cassie's telling a story about a unicorn yeah, and they're all yucking it up. Mm-hmm. Like Tulip and, and, and Jesse are sitting there taking pot shots at them about Man, it. Like cute. none of them want to like talk about what they're going, what they're, what they're going through. Bimini was mentioned again. Yeah, just go on the beach and just not they're just, think about they're it. They're basically just trying to let the, just let the good times roll. They all want to sidestep it, it yeah. and nobody wants to talk about it like it's a real thing. But we can we can. Come and I to get that. that, and that that makes for a super compelling subtext. But do it in an episode, yes, and then let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Don't like don't give us the mini explosion that we get like last week about the saint. Then not drive it to anything like more intense than that i don't know it's it's been it absolutely has been like a rubber banding back and forth kind of thing but the did you watch with subtitles on i did their argument about fight club is fantastic so funny (laughs) i think i missed that oh i just they had already started talking and i was like oh i gotta hit the captions when the saint comes into the apartment and he hears them talking and he's walking around. They're, in the, they're like on the balcony. When they're on the balcony. Okay. They're, they're, t- they're arguing about, about Fight Club. And Cassidy's position is that Tyler Durden does exist. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's real and he's there the whole time. Oh and it's God. really funny. That's it's, awesome. I was actually just reading the subtitles and not paying attention. Because again, <laughs> it took the saint like nine and a half minutes just to get. And yeah. I was like. For no good this reason. This isn't tense. Like they're. Mm-hmm. They. Uh, Tulip's nightmare in the middle of the night was so tense. That was such a great scene. And I know the show is capable of real tension. But in this moment, and maybe it was undercut by the dialogue, but at the same time, just the visuals, I was like... Eh, See, but it wasn't. Cause I, he just like, needs to get there. I watched it the first time around. I did not... I could. You can't really hear what they're talking about without the subtitles there. Right, like right. It's really difficult to hear it. But even then, like I was just straight up like, I know where this is going. I don't care. Let's just, just get, get me there. to it. Just get and, so, and that's the thing. The saint... Even in the book, he just he would just walk out there and grab him like he wouldn't fart around or be like, "Oh, I hear Walking French around. music. That's annoying. Yeah. Let me yeah. go check that out." He wouldn't. Care. I feel like in the con- like the comic frame is them sitting there on the balcony talking, and then all of a sudden, like the arm of the saint comes out of the door and grabs somebody or Pretty something much, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was just like a he was. It's like the it's it's uh, James Woods with the pieces of candy and Family Guy, just kind of <laughs> like getting getting corralled around and and <laughs> trapped in a box. Like it, yeah. What what happened to Denis? Like what? I thought he died. I don't like. I, think, I don't understand yeah. what happened. I there. think he broke his neck, but he's not dead. Yeah, that's because that he, he said his head's later, at a funny angle. Funny he was laying there, and okay. I was like, is his head twisted around? But he was still like blinking and so shit. Like, he looked like uh, Bishop at like the end of Aliens. Becomes her thing. <laughs> oh or, my god, or, that's uh, good. Man, that's a good reference. <laughs> Damn, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, I'm back now. There buddy. he is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there's movie references. Yep. Oh yeah, that's a good man. I haven't seen that movie in over ten years. Robert Zemeckis. It's a good one. Yeah. That the Denis Denis was lost on me. Although I did like the moment of him shutting his computer like a teenager. Yeah. When the doors <laughs> opened. Oh yeah. So what do you guys think he wants to do with the dog? Turn it into a vampire dog or eat it? He's he's got something nefarious. I yeah like because Cassidy's like hiding him. What's the dog's name? Like Sprocket or something? Little um, banjo. 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 Yeah. 
I don't know. It's really weird to me because we've seen Cassidy feeding on other animals, so it's fe- it feels weird to me that he would have a conscience about it now. He feeds on like cows and stuff, though. Well, but he, like he fed on the cat in the gas mm-hmm. station earlier in the season. Cassidy's not a cat guy, though. That's like, fair. I mean, I get a, it. He's a dog guy. I'll get it, but yeah. it still is kind of like a like I don't know. I, I'm that that's kind of my guess is that Denis wants to know what it's like to feed on a, on like a house pet for some reason. And Cassidy sees that and is like, you're not going to do that to Banjo. Yeah. Speaking of Banjo, uh, so the conversation they had earlier to rewind when they, they're arguing about who's in charge, which is very funny. And yeah. Cassidy just very bluntly is like, I always thought I was in charge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like the audience collectively laugh at him along with Tulip and like, no, that's Third not in charge. But he said, he goes, I'm in charge of a whole heap of people. And then it cuts away, but he's still talking and he says, little Banjo. And then he's like, Talking about some other stuff, but I began to wonder, like, is there more to that? Like him saying he's in charge of a bunch of people? Yeah, I wondered that too. Like I was like, oh, is this the Society of Vampires yeah, rearing its I head again? I was curious. I was curious. But, but if there might be a little more to that, but then it seemed like he undercut it by talking about being in charge of the dog. So Yeah, and Denis as well, which <laughs> he clearly is not in charge of that situation. Not very well anyway, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. Dennis is so funny. I, <laughs> he just always cracks me up, like looking under his bed and shit. Yeah, yeah. closing the laptop. <laughs> that was very funny. Yes. Um, oh, and uh, the show, see, sometimes with their jokes, and they, they sometimes they play things so perfectly. And when Jesse sits down in his chair and he does that bitchin' move with the cig where he taps it right out of the oh, box, yeah. Yeah. so well, I was like, oh, what a cool guy. What a cool guy. <laughs> uh, but then Cassidy just flies by and does like his own version of the Wilhelm scream. And I was like, that is all I needed. And it's perfect. Like, it's just there it is. They could have cut to like, they, yeah, I guess I was going to say they could have cut to Jesse being tied up. And I was like, no, that would need more explanation because Jesse should have been able to get out of that situation. Well, we needed to know that with the, the word, tools we, that knew. The, we yeah. knew the word. We had to see that the word wasn't going to work. But yeah, yes. I agree that the fight scene could have been could have been shorter and all that. Like it was cool. Like Jesse's fight scenes are always really cool because Dominic Cooper is very convincing that he's throwing yes. these blows. Absolutely. And yes. Graham McTavish is as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually liked that scene. But I just loved how simple that was. Just Cassidy whizzing by mm-hmm. and, and it looked great. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. what a good effect. But I was just like really impressed with that. I was like, yeah. sometimes they hit the nail right on the head, and they, they just, know like less is more. Yeah. It doesn't even need to come through the wall and land in front of Jesse. It's just zing down the hallway, and mm-hmm. it's perfect. Yeah, same same with later when he gets thrown like through the bookcase, and it's just his up his lower torso sticking out. I was yes. like, perfect, nice. Yeah, yeah, I agree, absolutely. Uh, any other thoughts on Act Three? How how does this act end? This with, is with the act that ends Jesse? with him punching Jesse. Okay, and, and knocking and him out. Yeah. Okay, yep. So then uh, Act 4, the saint tells a bound Jesse about a man who was obsessed with the sound of scalping someone's head. He says it's, quote, like a wet sheet torn to pieces, only not, only different. As the saint begins to scalp Jesse, Superintendent Mannering intercedes and threatens to throw William, the saint's real name, apparently, Mm. uh, the saint's daughter or wife in his hell if he doesn't return with her. The saint obliges since without God around, no one can stop her, but he promises to kill Jesse another time. Or scalp Jesse another time. Jesse sees Tulip and Cassidy off and an ambulance which turns out to be from the grail. They're taken to see Hairstar who reveals his plan to make Jesse the Messiah. Uh, so, we talked about the Saint story a little bit and you got, you, you, both of you seem to maybe not be super happy with that characterization of the Saint. So I guess we don't necessarily need to retouch on that. No, I think, I think, 
they do a, a fine job. Yeah. It's just that, um, I don't know, the, the, the way I got the Saint story was in a special, uh, a comic special. Yeah. And then, um, you know, pieces of it are talked about in, uh, in the comics, but then also there's a very real reason why the saint is, is damned essentially. Yeah. And, um, they never touch on it in here. They just kind of say, he's always a killer. He's done so many bad things, you know, we might be saving that, I guess. I mean, once again, skipping ahead, apparently he's going to get a conversation with Satan. Yeah. So, (laughs) God, I can't, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Can't is it just Peter Stormar? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why, uh, who are the other noteworthy um, cinema Satans? Robert De Niro. Viggo Mortensen. Oh. Okay. From Prophecy. Is it, uh, is it, who is it? Is it Ray Wise? Yeah, Ray Wise. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Harvey Keitel and Lil Nicky. Al Pacino, <laughs> Devil's Advocate. There's a lot of good Satans they could pull from here. Yeah. Just, so who's, who's just go straight South Park Satan? Just yep, the that's big, it. I big see version. That. Yep. <laughs> it's, is it Will Ferrell from uh, Tenacious <laughs> oh D? <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in that case, since we've come up with all these great Satans, they're going to try and go as most unexpected as possible. Like it's like Dakota Fanning or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's always a good opportunity for casting. I think as as humans, we are kind of collectively fascinated with like these figures, like god and jesus and, and satan and it's always kind of exciting to know who's going to play them like i remember during like the passion of the christ when that came out uh, you know people were like oh the devil's in it and like, who plays the devil and, like they thought it was going to be like somebody and it was like just some girl yeah like and, and i the the throughout the bible you get the stories of satan luring people into doing things the snake being crafty right. that kind of thing so I think they tend to pick these people that exude charisma or confidence and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to see them, like, it's always a fun performance to watch. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if we do see him mm-hmm. and we see this kind of, but yeah, like, like oh, minus the show Lucifer, which looked like a steaming trash fire. It's apparently pretty good. It's I, got like that, three seasons that now or something. melts my brain well, yeah. to steal Willie's quote again. <laughs> <laughs> like I just saw that trailer that TFS show and I was like, oh <laughs> lord. Uh. So, but back to Lance's point, I think, I think that shoe could still drop because I don't mm. feel like I fully understand the saint, like obviously the saint killing a ton of people you would assume he goes to hell, mm-hmm. but it still feels like to me that there could be something. Could be something more. Yeah. Well, in the in the book, there's just the the way that all the angels and stuff act around him. You know, like this is the guy who's in like solitary. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you get you get that one character in every prison movie who like they walk up and everybody like shuts up or they like don't look at him and it just establishes right away like this is the baddest dude here. Yeah, and that's. That's the way the saint is handled in the books. Like you, from his first, in, from his introduction, pretty much, you're like, "Oh my mm-hmm. god!" Like, mm-hmm. stay out of that dude's way. Yeah. And in the show, he does, he does feel that way to like the the mortals. But I, the way that the the authorities can just be like, "Come with." Obviously, they they threaten him with. Yeah. And then they do say, "God's not around. I can do it. I can do what I want." Kind yep. of thing. But there's it's just little something not quite there I see yeah. what you're saying but the, I, I guess because to address what Lance said specifically they haven't established that he kind of has his own rung of hell where like he is down in this real deep dark scary pit because he needs to be there because mm-hmm. of how awful he is mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think we we've seen his capacity for killing, but also the 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 how and why he's given those tools is also unclear. Like we're just introduced to him as this thing that the angels put on Jesse's tail and there's not an explanation of where it, where he gets that power. Yeah. Uh, William, is that out of the comics? I don't I, think I so. I can't remember. You know, it could be William, a uh, famous William from uh, 1992's Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> William Money? Yes, could be that. Uh, I don't believe he's ever named in the books. Okay. I don't, I don't think his, his Christian name is ever uttered. How do you guys feel about that? Not sure. not bothered. Don't care. Maybe it's just a way to take him down a peg. It's like you're not saying the killers to meet. You're William. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like uh, you know. I would rather she just called him like inmate number. Yeah. And spouted off his chain of numbers would have been <laughs> would have been fine. I don't know. Uh, he just I don't I don't I don't care. It's not yeah. Even, I'm glad they didn't make it something dorky like his name was like Francis or like <laughs> you know Grover or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Pronchus, the, uh, the joke in the comic. Mm-hmm. See, in the comic, when it's revealed that that's Cassie's name, it's like a, it's like a laugh moment. Yeah, it's good. Like Jesse laughs at him. He's like, "You dork," basically. Yeah. And Cassie's like, "Please don't tell anybody." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he swears him to secrecy. Oh, that's such a good moment in the book. Oh, yeah, he shares so, that with him. He, yeah. he gives him a little piece of himself, and mm-hmm. Jesse laughs at him, and then he's like, "All right, you know, <laughs> fuck you." And they like <laughs> they like laugh it out and hug yeah. a hug about it. Yeah. Oh man. So, anyway, you know, it's Saint it's, doesn't need a name. They gave him a name. It doesn't matter. Yeah, him talking through all that stuff. It felt, it felt very Tarantino esque, or even like um, Hannibal Lecter, which I feel. I mean, both of those movies are from the '90s. You know, Pulp Fiction or uh, True Romance is what I was thinking of. That's like the all. Yeah, I was gonna like, say Tony Scott, but I was like, no, yeah. wait, no, that's Tarantino's thing. Yeah, that when, movie's full of monologues. Oh yeah, when you just sit down <laughs> and just like start like some 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 screenwriter's like, yeah, this is my moment, man. Yep. I'm gonna write uh, out like a paragraph, yep. ten paragraphs of dialogue, and it's gonna be so great. Everyone's gonna quote this, and it's like, it's like, eh, well, you know, it's it's o- it's often imitated, but mm-hmm. rarely replicated. Right. Yeah, right. Because the casting is such a big factor in that, and mm-hmm. I'm not, not not knocking Graham McTavish at all; he's mm-hmm. great. But, but I like I just to me even even as a non comic book reader, I was able to sit like it struck me wrong. Like it felt like the Saint's not going to sit here and torture his his kill. Like if he wants this man skinned well, alive or whatever he's going to do with him, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his so, uh, his. His hatred of the preacher of Jesse is, I mean, I guess they do a good job of establishing it. Just locking him in the, in the Sakosha. Well, and I, here's the thing is that I was even, he like, he like wants to like, he's reserved this punishment for somebody he thinks is really nasty. And I was like, well, "Mm -hmm." and here's where I think that works. Although I've just remembered it now and I didn't, it didn't even strike me as important enough to list it here. But when he's baptized, Mm-hmm. That preacher is played very menacingly in like a I'm gonna put the fear of God in you kind of way that there would have mm-hmm. been in those days. Yeah, sure. But he he tells him to get on his knees, and Jesse tries to do that again, and it doesn't work. But I feel like that parallel is there. It's just not drawn particularly yeah. importantly. Like it's not. We don't. Well, and you know what you're. 
you're right, 100%, but there's a missing puzzle piece that you don't even know is missing, is that the saint's relationship, his thoughts and feelings on God and Satan in particular are not addressed in the show. Yeah. So the preacher, you know, is essentially by proxy God and it stands for God and the saint would hate that too. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's like not, they haven't really... Good catch talk. there, though. That's I like the, yeah. the that the preacher. Yeah, I, that I mean, yeah, that that. Well, that was cool when he goes into the water and he yes. says to him, "Like yeah. preacher." Yeah, yeah. I hate his eye makeup. What Please. is with that? Yes. Oh my god! And why the beard? You know, the beard <laughs> I'm okay with. Well, the, this the dirty ass beard. I'm just like the saint. <laughs> dirty much ass better than that. <laughs> like the saint in the book is like. He just has this kind of like stringy I, hair. To be fair, it. I don't know if any actor can scowl for that long. Yeah, like in right. the book, he's always just <laughs> got yeah. this crazy frown, yeah. just like this angry scowl. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone you need to cast like Jim Carrey or something <laughs> to <laughs> always be making that yeah. face where his eyes always bulging. Yeah. And his, uh, but the dirty, he's just the, the scowl stand-in for the. <laughs> it's like fire marshal build, like a, a makeup thing, like they do for Eugene on the. On the, yeah. On the Saint yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a prosthetic permanent skull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, uh, you know, I don't disagree. When I when I saw when I saw what he looked like with the with the beard, I was like, I can accept the beard. I was like, I can make my peace with that because the rest of his appearance is so good. Mm-hmm. And I like that when the hat comes off, it really changes the way he looks. Sure, yeah. It's like in the flashbacks when he doesn't have it on. I was like, wow, that hat makes it, it really ties the whole thing together. Like that was really tight mm-hmm. when he had it off. But yeah, my note just said, what's the green day eye makeup? Because <laughs> yeah. To pronounce the eyes, I it's guess. But, awful. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. It's terrible. Terrible makeup. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't even need to be there. Just cast the shadow over his eyes with the hat. You've done it a lot. And yep. it looks awesome. Just let it hang. Or just let his eyes be his eyes. Like it doesn't need this dorky batman charcoal i mean that's the thing is that i could see that i could see that makeup assisting and darkening his eyes with the hat on but when the hat's off and you're just seeing or there's a lot of harsh light that allows you to see that like i i think practically it probably makes sense to darken that if you really want to like cast some shade below that brim but Makeup is so sophisticated, though. It, yeah, well, it, it could look so much better. Well, but that's the thing is that I feel like in the sequences where you would see him or you're meant to see his face more clearly, like I feel like they would have had a different call for makeup that mm. day or something. But I don't know. It just looks stupid. Yeah. It's like it's like bad Saint of Killers cosplay. Uh, the superintendent does say to Jesse, you are lucky to have a man like Hair Star looking after you. So we know that he's the one that called the superintendent. What a chilling things. sentiment. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that, so. He put in a call to hell. And, <laughs> yeah. they, and they came up instantly to come, to, to come, come down to earth. <laughs> and it's a problem. a man of his death. <laughs> Yeah, no that that was that was. You can just imagine good. the lecture he gives them over the phone too about like this saint just running amok and like <laughs> I need you to come solve this. <laughs> oh man, thanks Lance. Yeah. I look forward to that every week. <laughs> uh, and Jesse also explains to her that he has part of her soul, and she says, uh, she that says sucks. to him that she's, she's like, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always knew. So I liked how the saint was like, you didn't 
throw put me back in hell because you're chicken shit. Like I always knew that was the case. Like one percent of his soul with the saint, like he couldn't, yep. he couldn't, he couldn't just accept it that he was in hell too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a good call out, and it also, you know, draws kind of a, a line between the two of them, where like you can't, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Kind of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But at Jesse, Jesse. In season one, I would have been like, Jesse's clever enough to like pull one over on somebody like that. But season two, Jesse's kind of dopier. Yeah. He doesn't feel as slick. And maybe it's because he's not in control. But even when Jesse in the books is not in control, he still at least tries. Like, I almost feel like if this subplot of the souls was in the the books, which is not, by the way. Yeah. um, Jesse would be like, oh, he's got 1% of my soul. Screw it. Send him to hell anyway. You know what I mean? Like you would just yeah. like do it yeah, and I'll just, figure it out later yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Although I get that Jesse now feels like, okay, if he has 1% of my soul, this this means I cannot get to heaven. So if Jesse were to die in this instance, he would probably be immediately pulled to hell as well. Do not pass go. Yeah. So that's scary. I could see that. Yeah. I do like the way they've bound the two characters together like that. It's really cool. I just want them to... I don't know, make the relationship between them a little more satisfying. It just feels so, it's just nothing but one-sided hate in each direction. And I would like it to be a little more complex than that. Yeah, I agree. Like Jesse doesn't deserve to be as black and white with people. And I think the saint has even said that to him, kind of like, you know, you've done bad things. You know, they both, they've both done bad things. Yeah. Jesse should be a little more open-minded. But this is, I suppose, where it is very true to comic Jesse because he also sometimes gets blinded by his mm-hmm. his sense of justice and morals and Tulip would be like hey don't really know if you can go throwing some stones at this guy cuz well and he that's that was something that bothered me a little bit here too is that cuz cuz when the saint calls Jesse on the like on that and they have the discussion of like uh so uh the saint basically like or, or jesse goads the saint into into he's like go ahead and and scalp me because you, then you're certainly not getting into heaven and the saint is absolutely like oh it's like you said that's never going to happen for me yeah, and then jesse immediately turns on a dime and is like well you never you can't you never say never i was kind of like what are you talking about just trying to desperately like yeah and he didn't like that jesse didn't wear that very well to me it didn't feel that felt out of character to me so it mm-hmm. Well, I like uh, Jesse in the books is is really good in his relationship with the saint because he's very much like you can't trust these people like they I have no reason to lie to you and they have every reason to lie to you because they want to control you and because they're scared of you and the saints kind of like that makes sense yeah and and then they you know that's one of their earlier conversations Mm -hmm. that they have and I feel like Jesse in the show has has worked his way down such a path where that that can never be pursued at this point because the saint has no, has every reason not to trust Jesse or yeah. at least every reason to not like him. So unless it comes to a point where, and perhaps this will follow uh, the saint's conversation with Satan, but maybe, uh, maybe then he'll be able to kind of come around and Jesse, he and Jesse can have a little, little chat yeah. figure things out. Uh, and then we get Tulip and, and Cassidy get to meet Hairstar. What did you guys think about that? It's a good scene. Yeah. Yes. It's always good to have Hairstar around and my God, you're unattractive. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Unable to, to let go how ugly Hairstar is. Yeah. 
Cassidy continues. Just, I'm thinking it, and I feel like I gotta say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too- and Hairstar doesn't react. He just, no, of course. No. I like that he he kind of uh, respected Tulip. Yes, there was a there was a moment there where she says, "I want to hear what he has to say," and he says something back to her that's really good. I forgot what it was though. He, be, uh, I don't know if it was like a straight to the point or something <laughs> like that. Of like, but it, yeah, you can tell that he's kind of like, I appreciate you. Yeah, this guy's an idiot, but definitely a Hoover, it's it's idiot. almost kind of uh, you know Hoover and Featherstone kind of dynamic. Yeah, Where one's kind of a goofball. Yep. And the other one is the, the woman is the more competent and in charge and and intelligent. So yeah, and and that's kind of like uh, so. Hair Star is very clearly like laying the groundwork of like you are holding your friend back, and and he like he very much is kind of like, how are we going to proceed here? Of like a so so that kind of like it, I, we'll talk about it more in the next section, but it like it it. It feels weird to me that Tulip would just kind of like see that situation and be like, like why why would she it. concede hair like Jesse to hair star you know mm, yeah but why would she not realize that they're all being manipulated it, not not necessarily why wouldn't she realize it but I don't feel like she would take it as fact of like Jesse's going to leave that like she says to Cassidy of like yep I called it Jesse wants to be the Messiah in the next act Uh and so I don't it doesn't feel like to me that she would just accept that from hair star per se but maybe maybe her relationship with Jesse she just figured I don't know let's go into act five (laughs) the Pope announces God's abdication but urges people to prepare themselves for Christ or a reasonable approximation thereof which I felt was a fantastic line Mm -hmm. Tulip and Cassidy return home to Jesse and they go out to eat after Cassidy tells them about the time he saw a unicorn. They finally discuss the elephant in the room. Was Jesse going to seriously become the Messiah? Tulip gets to the point and asks Jesse why, what, he need, uh, what he needs them for and Jesse doesn't appear to have an answer. We cut to the saint re-entering his hell and requesting a word with Satan. The superintendent ensures him that Satan will want a word with him as well. Eugene and Hitler continue their escape through the ventilation in hell, crawling over the saint's cell. Finally alone at the diner, Jesse decides to head to Hairstar's office. Having made the decision to become the Messiah, he asks what's next, and Hairstar bows and places his, Jesse's hand on his head. Uh, a real quick question that just I thought of. Do you guys, do, does the Pope know of Humperdoo? Like, he knows he exists. I'm sure. Do you think he's met Humperdoo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. For sure. Just, just a, yeah, but, um... So the diner conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh I liked the, the, the unicorn. And having having Jesse and Tulip like I feel like a lot of the times we've had these these conversations of, of Cassie telling these wild stories and Jesse and Tulip just sit there and poke holes at it and like make fun of them about it and completely like they're just kind of picking at him, but it, like it's, it felt like all of them fit back into their roles once again for like the three thousandth time this season. <laughs> yeah, but I did enjoy the story, and I and I enjoyed their interaction with him. The story's a bit of a fake out, actually. Yeah, I thought something was yeah. that the his description. I I immediately had a picture in my head, and then 
And then all of a sudden, it wasn't that. Uh, so it's a, it's a little hidden thing for you, comic book people. Yeah. Okay. All we, right. We could probably just tell them. I don't. If you I, want. I mean, I don't know. I, for our audience, I don't. You guys can tell me afterwards, but, no, but I then, don't like the the fake out. Was like, yeah, an ice cream cone. It's like, okay, I guess it could be that too. <laughs> like, well, maybe we're not talking about the same thing. I think we are. No, I think we are. Okay. Yeah. Let's. We'll hold. We'll, we can. It is his. The first half of his story is referencing something okay. in the books, but uh, then it quickly goes off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I thought he was talking about this one thing, and then when it showed him going, <laughs> yeah. like, imitating like a, like a cat licking yeah. from a bowl, I was like, okay, probably not what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but I was willing to hear it out. Yeah, I enjoyed that little, his little, like, uh, it's so it's so good. He is just... You know he's not even Irish? Such a gem. No way. So, like, Seth Rogen at Comic-Con was like, was like, I didn't even know you were doing an accent until, like, three episodes in. <laughs> yeah. So, he's, I think he's British, and he is an Irish He is accent. British, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man. Uh, uh, you know, the lines over there, depending on, <laughs> depending on where in England he grew up, actually. It yeah, could that's be, true. Uh, that's I used true. to work with a guy from England, but he he was from Newcastle, which is close to the Scottish border, and he sounded almost more Scottish than English, but he was a Brit. It's interesting over there how accents can... Even Welsh, Welsh yeah. folk, you know, to us, we're like, hey, mm-hmm. you're English. <laughs> he's almost he's, he's two years off from sharing the same birthday as Willie, like literal day. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a March 9th birthday. How is old fun. is he? 33. Oh, my God, that's so weird. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. looks like he's forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah! It's so the, this is you. This is you, and this is you on math or yeah. something like that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that show Misfits that he was on, it was like a superhero show or something. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of like a like a. I I don't. He's fantastic. He's he is. Good. He's great. He is. Leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, this is where the line the uh, the you like to break people's arms just to hear the sounds they make, which I like that line on its own, but also the parallel with the scalping situation. It's I true. thought was was pretty interesting. You fight, you drink, yeah, the fighting, yep. drinking, yeah. You're just a you're just a human, as nobody says. You're just a person. Yeah, the rest of us. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I guess the conversation about Jesse being the Messiah, like. Personally, I didn't think Jesse was as there as he seems to be at the end of this episode, although we don't get much. Like, he walks in the hairstar's office and is like, what's next? But, it, like, it, I feel like it didn't feel like to me that he was ready to accept that. And maybe hairstar pushing Cass and, and Tulip away forces Jesse into, like, well, what the hell else am I going to do? He's scared to death, probably yeah yeah i still it feels like we're heading towards a bit of a fake out yeah i feel i feel like jesse's gonna pull a fast one okay on the grail like this feels like the moment where you would think like the hero is finally beaten and then they just they have one more ace is this okay is this is this this pop culture consumption crack potitude or is this is this built off of any comic knowledge too a little bit of both. The first one. Okay. Whatever you said. The crack potitude. Yes. <laughs> so pop culture consumption pep. Crack potitude. Crack potitude. Yes. Can we acronym that? <laughs> awesome, man. 
<laughs> PCCC. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Pop culture consumption crack potitude. PCCCP. No, PCCC. But I, I don't know. Crack potitude to me is hyphenated or one way. I don't, we don't need to talk about this. Somebody hyphenated PC3. You can do like, yeah. uh, like a little. P3 subscript. cubed. Yeah. <laughs> PC three, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, no, so no, no. This I, is just this is you feeling out the Jesse and the and and uh, Hairstar never come to terms in the book, like, and it, it, it feels weird to me anyway. Like it didn't like, and and that's maybe this is why because it like it feels like I agree. I think a I think they're out. I think they're both. I think they're both playing each other. They're both sitting there feeling out that like they're trying to they're trying not to show their hand to each I other. I think they're playing each other, and they think the other one isn't hip to it and perhaps the other one isn't like i think hair stars goals as we've established are definitely to like he wants to be the man holding the puppet yeah he doesn't want his bosses to be the ones doing that so hair star i think thinks if he can establish trust with him help him out have an agent of hell say boy you sure are lucky to have a guy like that like he can better control jesse and be like i'm your friend I can navigate this complicated world of the grail for you. You just do as I say and we'll be all right together, buddy. And I think Jesse's kind of like, um, I'm going to beat you up when I get a chance. Kind of thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, cool blue lighting, though. That was mm-hmm. some cool lighting. And I like the, the frame within a frame at the end. That's yeah. Nice shot. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, the music as Hitler and Eugene crawl through the ducts is probably some of my favorite music in this entire season. It was really good. It's awesome. And hats off to Dave Porter, who's who does the music for this, and he did Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. It was a really effective moment. It's actually. it's awesome, and it, it, like it, it it's it's probably my least favorite storyline, and it's a thing that it was like obviously we get nothing out of it for the most part, but that music cue is great. And and that was just really cool to me. But I did like the effects of the duct of like seeing the holographic projectors kind of throwing on the on the walls of the duct. And also you get the you hear like a dude who's like cheating on his wife or something like that. And then there's also like Eugene wonders why there's a baby in hell. Yeah, I think that was babies. the baby, the, the burning babies one. Yeah. The, the uh, old, the 50s, 50s, 50s lady. woman. OK, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because I was kind of like <laughs> that raised the question to me is like how would a baby get in hell? And I was like, well, like original sin, maybe I don't know, but it didn't make any sense. Yeah. But then him crawling over the saint, like we hear the saints, uh, his mm-hmm. the saint's wife, <clears throat> uh, giving her spiel of going to Ratwater and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if that was just like a cute little coincidental. Hey, look, they're here at the same place and kind of two ships sailing in the night or something like that, but. I, it, it, it's it, it was a cool little scene. It's cool to see storylines overlapping. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that that was nice. But it would have been cooler if in the Saints scene Eugene had been in the background, but you might not notice it unless you rewatched it. Yeah, it'd been kind of neat. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Like like the, all the hells, all the rooms. Like he had to go through the rooms to get out of hell instead. So he showed up in other people's. That would have been pretty for Eugene, sweet. Yeah. Running through the running through the background of people's room. Yeah, yeah. It's like like remember in Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure, like he's running through all, <laughs> through the, all the movie sets. sets, all the movie yeah. sets. Oh, that would have been so good. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Good. Another good reference. Well, well done. Hey, you know, back, you know. back in the saddle. <laughs> I got you. 
Uh, it was really cool to see W. Earl Brown again. Actually, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, that was absolutely. Really as as Cher uh, Fruit, yeah, Eugene's that father. Was nice with with the arse face prosthetic on it was creepy. Was pretty pretty good. I, I, miss, wonder, I miss him. I wonder what that does to their mouths that makes the such a consistent voice. Like, what is it? Because there's like a, it's kind of like a like a like a wispy kind of whistly like that you would expect that type type of mouth would make. But for some reason, like it was so consistent with W. Earl Brown compared to Eugene that it was surprising. To yeah, me. It, was like ne- it, it was neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, that that was that was very nice to see him again. But. The only other note I have that yeah. I, I was proud of in the moment when I wrote it down, uh, when the saint is, first of all, he gets way further with that knife on Jesse's scalp than I thought he was going to. Yeah, me too. I was like, ooh, that was gross. It started to make a noise and everything. But when they show up to stop him, I immediately typed, saved by the hell. <laughs> and I was really pleased with myself. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. No, and I, I remember you see, like, when Jesse's standing outside of the ambulance, and there's, like, no... Or maybe it was... Maybe it's when he's watching the Pope's address or whatever, and there's, like, no... Mar- like, you can't even tell that there was anything going on. Yeah. Can I can I throw a theory out there that might... It might spoil something, though? Not 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 with any... Com- uh, maybe I shouldn't. We can, we can wait. We can wait. But, but it's, it's not based on anything comic. It's just based on in things that are happening in the show. Yeah, maybe you, maybe I'll do it off the air. Okay, all maybe right, I'll do it off. The yeah, air. but well, no, you can see um at Tulip's like like marks on her. T- yeah, cheek Tulip's and got Cassidy's the, yes. broken arm or whatever, but not yeah, but not Jesse. I don't know. Jesse's hair is still perfect. Just <laughs> a despite hair. being almost scalped. But Close. yeah, I think that's about it for this uh, this episode. On AMC, I watched a scene from next episode but i didn't see like a montage of the next episode and okay the scene was pretty good it was pretty funny all right yeah. good i'm Looking ready for the show to, to be funny again like largely funny mm-hmm. even when things were dark in season one they were there was still things that were genuinely funny not like awkward like i don't really think i should laugh at this yeah or i don't think this is funny but it's trying to be funny yeah it it, it feels like um like I think the humor is obviously very important to the show, but it feels like the the mode with which they use it is very different. I don't know. Once again, I always think back to like the girl taking the selfie with Tracy in season one and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like a lot of that humor was also like, Ugh. yeah, but, but that was like good dark comedy where like it's it's funny, but it is at the same time repulsive, yeah. and you understand what they're poking fun at. Yeah. It's even kind of like the Tyler the Tyler lines about raping like yes. it's the same it's the same kind of thing where like it's 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 awful obviously and it's gross but like it's the joke is played in a way that they're they're kind of satirizing it. Yeah. Not that the, and it doesn't make it right and it doesn't excuse it or even say like it's okay but they're like it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. But like there are other jokes in the show that don't get that little spin or they get an attempt but it just doesn't land. Yeah. But Everybody being openly funny about things was also very nice. Yeah, so, absolutely. We'll Some see. genuinely funny, like the f- the foreskin conversation came back again talking about yes, the Dutch, the Dutch foreskin consumption. <laughs> you yeah. right in and let us know. Is it really? Is it really ten to one in the Netherlands? <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, as we said, next week uh, will be a little bit late. I apologize, but hopefully, it will be worth the wait. I am very excited. For yes, the finale. me too. Yeah. I hope it me ends too. strong. 
We'll I feel see. like by this time last season, I was way more satisfied than I am right now with this season. Even like like the second to last episode? Yeah. Yeah, because I guess we saw where things were going, and we kind of knew that it was meeting back up to where... It was getting to a place where it could be back to where you wanted it to be and, and being like a like a, a little bit of a journey with them. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what you guys are thinking with where this is going to go, but I do kind of feel like we're pretty off the map with the fact that like Hairstar is still kind of like trying to work hand in hand with Jesse, at least seemingly, and also the Eugene stuff and... Like, it doesn't feel like we're, it feels like we've sidestepped the actual comic, but that we could work back around to it somehow, once again. I'm just looking, I'm looking back on the season right now, and I feel like the show needs to, the guys in charge need to be okay with the fact that this is Jesse's story, and the rest of the characters are characters in his story. And it's not Jesse and Cassidy and Tulips and the Saints and Eugene's story. It's his story, and they're all characters that are a part of it. And I, I, while I appreciate the depth that they've injected into all the characters, I think it, you need to come to terms with the fact that not every character has to be this like completely well-rounded, totally detailed character where I know their personal histories. Like, sometimes just write a good character and, and let the actor fill in the rest and bring it to life because not everyone can be a starring character. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of time this season was spent with other characters and working on other characters. And while it may have made for some decent episodes, it doesn't make for a great show because I feel like looking back, just everything with Tulip and Cassidy felt like just filler. And, and whereas in season one, it was very clear that it was Jesse's story. Yeah. And these guys were important supporting characters that were interesting and had personalities and had histories. And uh, that was that. And in this season, it feels like they tried to, especially with Tulip, do a lot more with her, do a lot more with the saint, do a lot more with hair star. And while I loved all the hair star stuff, <laughs> obviously we didn't necessarily need as much of it. And while it made for a great episode of TV, did it help push the series into a forward momentum? Yeah. Like it still feels to me almost like we are like, I don't necessarily feel like we are on that journey with Jesse yet. Like we're still filling in the important parts of like, who are the grail? Who's hair star and also, you know, getting Eugene out of hell and maybe I feel like we could still be pushing these puzzle pieces around to finally allow it to become Jesse's story. Like once, once Eugene is out of hell, now that the saint is back in hell, once the grail becomes the antagonistic force, clearly once all of those things are in place, maybe it'll come to a point where it's kind of like Jesse's on a journey and we're going there. I hope so. We've, that, got, we've gotten point. Victor out of the way. Cassie's obviously still has some weird stuff. And we're also going to focus more on Jesse's backstory. Like that's coming at some yeah. point. So maybe once, maybe we will come out of that with a more Jesse centric show. But who knows? 
Yeah, and it's not it's not that I'm opposed to working on side characters, yeah. but or or that those two aren't important or good. They're great. I mean, they're the actors are phenomenal, but it's just it it's it's called preacher. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> he is the preacher. Spoilers for for preacher. <laughs> yeah, it's it's his it's his deal, and I I may look back, you know, five, four years from now or whatever, whenever the show's over, and be like, well, that season was actually really really killer. But it just right now, I kind of can't help but feel like it feels like a lot of time was spent just kind of dancing around the main character, and it. I just want, I want it to kind of refocus a little bit and and stay moving forward, like yeah. some real forward progress with this character because it's his story. Yeah, we'll see. I'd like to know if we're if we're done yet with with finding God because that's the main thrust. That's the main goal. And what Jesse did to find God, you know, he went to new Orleans, he visited like two dozen bars. He went through some painful stuff, I'd say, but like he should do more to find God rather than just, it feels like he's kind of given up. Yeah. Which is, which is weird. Like he tried once and got super damn close. Maybe, Mm, maybe you're right. What we know dog, which, like, yeah. Okay. Like you're 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 gonna hang on to that the man dog thing. It's like, but she still doesn't know for sure. Yeah. If that's God. Yeah. Like he he has he doesn't know definitively, and although mm-hmm. he's probably tired and like a little frustrated, like just keep going. Mm-hmm. Or or the show needs to throw him a a little bit more to keep him on the trail. Like, yeah. Just feels like I don't know. And and the you know do you what do you need us for the tulip says i mean i think it's it's pretty apparent that he needs them because they're his friends and like they help balance him out and they keep him grounded but why why not just say that i know if i was in his position and i would ask that question i'd be like what are you talking about but instead he just kind of goes well and here's yeah. the thing i mean we didn't see the rest of that conversation that's true and we could there obviously i think, I, 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 think I am just projecting place i think to, i'm projecting my frustrations know. but and that yeah but i mean you we'll, are right if if yeah. If, if, Redact- redacted. if things play redacted. out, yeah. <laughs> officially redacted. If things play out with with things potentially being like somebody pulling wool over eyes or whatever, like we we can, they've clearly been in the mood to go back and inform a situation that we didn't have all the pieces of, <laughs> or or one that we already did, <laughs> yeah, or one that we already assumed all of them very well, yeah. So we'll see. But anyway, fair enough. Fair enough. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on G2TPodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on the TV Time app. We're in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. We're all over the place. You can find us in your favorite podcatcher. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at G2TPodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread and is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.